0: I need the interpreter here for this to happen. If she doesn't value the fact that you respect her enough to want to do this right, she's not your patient. She's not somebody that you should have in this building. The reason why I'd be in favor of that if that's my business is because I may have lost that lady. But I know I'll have given my physio so much confidence and so much certainty that when the next situation comes around, that could be an awkward scenario or a patient who's trying to be demanding or just uncomfortable or just lacks certainty or lacks the trust in it, my physios will tackle that head on and nine out of ten times they will win. Because ultimately in life that's what people are craving. The people who are given you, the, the runaround, around, the, the no-shows, the objections, the oh, I only want this and I only want that, they're just screaming, screaming at you for something else. Like... This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience, business lessons for physical therapists. My name is Paul Goff, former professional soccer physical therapist turned successful business owner and best-selling author from the UK. Each week, we answer your questions and bring you an inspiring story or person from the global physical therapy community. This show is dedicated to sharing with you everything you need to know to become hugely successful in private practice. Thanks for joining me today. Now let the class begin.
1: Hello, podcast listeners. It's Simon, your 4% head coach here, and I help the members of the Paul Gough community with making better decisions in their business, them with finance, help them with hiring and recruitment, culture, sales and everything else to do with the outcomes that they want to achieve. Uh, in today's episode of the Paul Gough audio experience you will be tuning in as Paul is in Hermitage, Pennsylvania at Roscoe Physiotherapy on his five cities in five days east coast tour. During the first part of this staff training, you will hear Paul talk about building certainty with your patients so they pay your rates, decreasing the risk of drop-offs on your schedule, why keeping your staff accountable is crucial to having a thriving business, and plenty more in this uncut, behind-the-scenes look at this stop of the tour. If you would like to understand these things, like why people actually say no, how to build your own preeminence with patients, and how to double your front desk and treatment room conversions in just 48 hours, it's not too late to sign up for Paul's annual sales and conversions bootcamp that's happening this weekend, December 7th and 8th, at the beautiful Hilton Hotel at Disney Springs in Orlando, Florida. To sign up, head to wwwpaulgoffcom forward slash sales and book one of the last seats we have left i and the rest of the team hope to see you there again that's PaulGoff.com forward slash sales to book your seat that's all i've got for you today enjoy the episode and hopefully i will see you this weekend at the sales boot camp see you later
0: everybody got a job everybody everybody, house prices you know whatever it it doesn't matter what situation i'm trying to raise your awareness to that no matter what situation we're in economically Nobody's got any money, like, is the, is the excuse. It's like, oh, it's you know, times are hard these days. It's like, really? Uh, actually, like, check the facts. Like, there's more money around than there's probably ever been ever, ever, ever. Certainly, like, in the modern day world. And yet people are still hanging to the fact that they've got, you know, they've got no money. What there is, is confusion. And what there is, is more skepticism. You stick the news on, gee, like, it don't take you long to be a bit more fearful. Three minutes of putting the news on, you're like, you're worried for your life. Your savings are going to go and whatever else. They'll have you believe that, that the world's a bad place. And people, your patients, bring that to work. They bring that here. They bring that, that skepticism, that doubt and that fear because they've read the news this morning that one person lost their money. Well, what about the other 100,000 who didn't? It's like they, they, don't, they don't think that way if you, if you get me because they're not conditioned. We're not genuinely conditioned to do that. And my point to businesses is, you almost have to do the thinking for these people, and you have to stop the false, you have to stop the false uh, beliefs that they bring with them every single day. And the key point that we raised yesterday, that I think was was the one that hit home, is anything that we discuss today, and anything that I might say today, you might think, oh, that's a bit harsh, or that's a bit, oh, that's uncomfortable, or I'm not quite comfortable with saying that type of thing, or even thinking that way. You've got to remember that it all comes from a place if it's for the patient, not to the patient. That most of the things you're saying, and I don't mean you individually, but just generally, most of the things that we like to say are, are often softness. They're very simple. Uh, oh, well, give us a call when you can, and we'll have a few sessions, and we'll see how it goes, and well, let us know how it goes, and yeah, you call us back when you're ready. And I try and turn that around all the time and say, well, if you went to see a heart surgeon, how would he behave with you? It'd just be like, there's the fucking calendar, booking, like, you're not gonna go, oh well, can I give you a ring in a couple of weeks? And, um, you know, how long will the surgery take, doc? Any chance you can do it in an hour and a half instead of two hours? Like, you're not saying that to a, to a heart surgeon, because he's not letting you. He's telling you what you're getting, and you'll take it. My point is, why, why do PTs feel as though there's any difference there? Why, why do you let, and why do we as a profession, and just, not necessarily just PTs, but generally, People that, that sort of we crave, and what we need is a lot of uh, what we need is authority. Is really what what would solve a lot of the problems that we've got. But we don't help ourselves because we don't step into that authority that you could claim with with conversations. When patients ask you how many sessions they need, it's twelve sessions. We're gonna do three every week. This is what you need. Take it or leave it. Like that's that's I'm not saying those words, but it's that type of thinking and that type of uh, conviction and that courage that. If you did go and see the heart surgeon, what do I need, doc? Well, you need surgery next week. And you're gonna have to stay in hospital for seven days. Not one single person in their right mind is going, well, can I delay that, or can I get out after four days? You know, oh, what about this, or what about It's like, get on the bed, I'm cutting you open, your heart will be fixed in two hours, and you need seven days of recovery. Like, sign here. Is is like, is the way that they would do it. And anybody in their right mind okay doc like i'm I'm doing it. When can I book in It's not I'll get back to you in two weeks and give you a call. It's like I'm in so I've always tried to bring that level of um authority and confidence to anything that I do, and I'm doing it for people, not two people, and that's initially what some people might think when I teach oh, that's uncomfortable, and the patients won't like it, but I assure you they're desperate for it. They are desperate, desperate more than ever before for somebody to go ah. Oh, Just take all of this frustration away from me. Take all of this doubt away from me. Take all of these concerns, the skepticism I've got, just take it away from me. And you can do it with the way you speak to me and the way that you look at me, by and large. That most of the things that you are saying to a patient, it's actually in the way that you say it Um, and the body language and the tonality and um, even the eye contact, right down to the eye contact that you have with somebody. That if you watch your patient, if I sat in here and I'm not saying it's happening to you guys, but. Like If I sat in most clinics and watched an interaction with a patient, I'll see very little eye contact. The second that an awkward conversation comes up, the head will move, posture will change, they'll stop breathing, it'll be, um, well, uh, oh, okay, let's see how it goes. And for many of you, you just need the, comf- the, the confidence and the courage that if those situations happen, I don't know, but I'll let you know. Even, even just a response like that, said like that, is much better than, or, um, well, uh, let's see, and, you know, if we have a few, you're you're bluffing, and and they know they are. And from that point, the certainty and the confidence that they're looking for in your uh, service is gone, like, completely. And it's usually that which they say no to. So if you've read the book, that's pretty much the, the, the underlying current of the book, is that certainty is what people buy. Certainty is the reason that People will go to McDonald's, or they'll go to Starbucks, or they'll go to various things, and you think this is—it's average. It's like really shitty. That you go to a um, you go to a airport, for example. McDonald's will always be full. The, the line will always be full, even if next to it is a family-run, amazing, like equivalent of the uh, you know the the Philadelphias or Pennsylvanias best homemade burger, right, that we all know is going to be better. The line won't be anywhere near as big for McDonald's, which is pretty shitty in comparison. And it's nothing to do with the price, it's because I know what I'm getting. I'll always, always, always go with a place that delivers that certainty, and that's what you get with places like Starbucks, like McDonald's, which doesn't necessarily have uh, superior products, possibly doesn't even have superior service, but they guarantee what you're going to get. At least you know it's shitty. <laughs> There's no surprises. And seriously, the more you look around the world, the, the more you see businesses, and the more you see people that you interact with, and you start to step outside of yourself, and it's like, well, why, am, why do I go there? Why do I do this type of thing? Why do I shop with these places? Why do I always go back to that same retailer or all that same place, even though it might not be brilliant? It's because I know what I'm getting. I'm, I'm certain in the outcome of what I'm gonna get, um, which a lot of patients don't. You know, They don't get when they come to this type of place they are buying something with an uncertain outcome. And I think our job really becomes to replace that. We, we can't give them like a box with stuff in it and a TV that comes ready to be assembled and put on the wall. But what we can give them is a feeling that when I do business with Roscoe PT, Roscoe Physiotherapy, I'm significantly, uh, or, or how I feel about doing with you is immediately enhanced. And I feel better just because I'm doing business with Roscoe PT. Every one of you's had a situation where you've gone into a restaurant or you've gone somewhere and you've looked at the price and you immediately start to not enjoy the process because you're there and you think, oh, shit, this better be worth it. Like, this had better be worth, the, you know, this extra money that I'm paying. And it actually stops the enjoyment of the process and makes you less likely to enjoy the meal, the bottle of the wine, the, the, the fish or whatever you've ordered for $50. It gets in the way. Now, a smart business owner would recognize that very quickly and change the way you feel from the get go to do something, do something with their service, that give you something, that just serve you in a way that you haven't been served before, that uh, made you feel like you were gonna get something at the other end of it. You haven't had the food yet, you haven't had the thing that you're worried about, but you now feel a hell of a lot more confident about it. And I think that's all of our jobs in, in healthcare, that you've got patients right now who are frightened as hell, skeptical as shit. Healthcare's obviously a huge, you know, it's a it's a burning debate everywhere you go. You've got people with more choices than ever. You've got people who are less likely to want to do something. More and more and more are becoming passive because of internet and exercises and YouTube and self help and all that type of stuff. Now you can get creams, pills. Um, I don't know what's like you, but where I live in Florida, every other ad is just buy these pills, buy these pills, buy these pills, and it's like, geez, like they're just being brainwashed with that type of um, thought process as being a solution to their problem that the average PT doesn't realize it's like, I don't need a competitor across the street to say physiotherapy. My competitor is on TV advertising like Advil or whatever it is that they're they're trying to slam down their necks. So they're confused as hell. um, And I think that's what you've got to start to consider as you, as you communicate, as you, um, get together in your groups and your meetings and your teams where hopefully if you do this type of thing once a week at the heart of everything that you're doing is how do we get more certainty and more confidence into these conversations with patients so I'm not going to necessarily today leave you with a say this say that type script hopefully I'm going to leave you with a we understand really what we're shooting for and we'll figure out our own way to get that and that that is a much better way my evolution as a teacher has become less and less about tell me what to say I feel really good when I tell you what to say, but I also know if I don't teach you the higher kind of understanding of what we're actually trying to achieve, it, it, it doesn't last. So much of it does come from that, that patients who, for example, uh, on an arrival rate issue, so I can see an arrival rate issue there, what went wrong? Right. That's where we'd always start with these types of things. What went wrong? And the typical response in a business would be, well, well, nothing, like we did everything right. We did, we did all of the protocol and we followed this and we had a good phone call with them and we booked them in. And what you'll typically find is that when somebody isn't achieving something in their life, they nearly always start with what I'm doing. And what they should always start with is, what do I not do? I never question anybody's what I've done. What I always question from my staff is what didn't you do? And nearly every, everything that you want, every bit of progress in your life, anything that you want to achieve will come from what you didn't do rather than what you did do. So I'd always start with, um, you know, let's say the arrival rate, and I'd say, okay, 89%. All right, so we were 11% down. Get me the two or three people who didn't show up. What happened? Where did they come from? What, what referral source did they come from? What was the doctor's name? Did the, is there a commonality between the doctor? Is it Facebook? Is it Google? Is it our social media clients that are not arriving? What was the length of phone call that took place? What did we ask them? How did we make them feel before coming? Did we just book an appointment or did we make them feel welcome to the family? Did we get them absolutely rocking and rolling, ready to come down to this appointment in two days because it's the best decision I've ever made? And if we didn't, that's why, you, that's why you've got that. That's, that's what you've got going on. It's taken for granted that somebody books an appointment and they're gonna come along and spend some money with you. Far, 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 far from it. Somebody who picks up the phone and says, hey, I've got back pain, I need some help. There's no guarantee that they're coming even if they come for one, two, three sessions, they're still not 100% certain that they've made the right decision. And I'd be in favor of everybody being uh, paranoid as hell, right, live with paranoia, not in a way that ruins your life. But any person who says they're coming, just start, well, why wouldn't they? I've got to the, to the point in my life where um, in any of my businesses, so like Vicky or Sophie, she's like, well, this happened, right? And Sophie starts giving me an explanation as to why this stuff's gone on. I'm like, why would he? Like, why the fuck would he come? Like, (laughs) why would he book an appointment? Like, let's start there. Let's, Because if we start there, it gets rid of everything. Every ridiculous excuse, every stupid fucking thing we're all going to say and just starts on the ground floor. Why, Why would he come? Why would this patient come to Roscoe Physiotherapy? After all, he's got 26 other options. After all, like, he rang up on Wednesday and it's now Monday. There's been four days of crickets in between. Like, what did he get? And when you start to come from that type of place, it opens you up very quickly to progress. Whereas what we often find and we do naturally is we come up with excuses to validate what happened, to understand what that means. Right? It's so tempting, so 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 tempting. This is the hardest thing for you to. When when you look at numbers, you come and do a, a session like this, and you'll see all. Oh, Bill Smith didn't turn up for an appointment, right? And the first thing you'll do is, oh, yeah, but, but, you know, but, but, but his dog died, right? Or like, but, but, and, and you go around the room and everybody's got a reason why Bill Smith didn't turn up, right? And it's like instantly, and we all sit there and go, well, tw- that was a good 20 minutes and like everybody just validated what we already knew, right? So you, you almost can't start with the, you know, why didn't he turn It's like, well, why the fuck would he come? Like, what on earth would he come to this clinic for? And if you start there, you start to actually build up, and you get closer to what we didn't, you know, what we didn't do or what we could have done. But it assumes that you accept so much responsibility for it. It's unbelievable, and I, and that in all of the businesses that I've either owned or worked in or kind of gone in and helped, you show me and don't take this. I do swear a lot, by the way, and it gets worse as the day goes on. <laughs> so as, uh, as I get more passionate, this little I'm being quite calm right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you show me a shitty business and I'll show you a company where everybody in it wants to avoid any form of responsibility, transparency or accountability. And anybody and everybody in it is just hiding from this this is what happened, this is the facts, this is the this is the actual reason that this thing happened. And taking ownership of that is the most liberating day in your life where you just get used to it and say, It's my fault. It's a hundred percent me. Like what, and, and, and instead of running from it, again, you look at society and you look at what, what's happening. People are just running from any form of, hold me accountable, any form of uh, kind of, well, transparency is probably the right word. It's as if I can hide, if I can hide for as long as possible, my ego doesn't get challenged. My self-worth doesn't get challenged. Everything I know about myself doesn't get challenged. And yet that's that's like all of the progress that you want in your life comes from comes from this like the facts this is the data this is like this is where we are that if we want to grow and we want to get better we have to have it if you look at uh, as a child so I've got three kids and really what's my role in the first 15 to eighteen years is to just hold them accountable like it, it is to help them see that that their actions have consequences and the things that they do do are gonna lead to certain things, and the things that they don't do are gonna to lead to certain things. Now, sadly, when we get to 18, 19, 20, we kind of have had enough of it, we've left school, which held us accountable every year to certain standards. Think about it, right? Really, really think about it. For the first 20, 25 years of your life, either your parents or school held you accountable, and you were, you were always uh, having to achieve something to get something, and then all of a sudden at 25, you're like out into the big, bad world, and it's like no, nobody ever, most people will leave school or leave their parents' home from that day till the day they die. There won't be a single consideration of any form of accountability, performance, where they're at in their life against where they want to get to. And then they wonder why they don't achieve anything. It's basics. If I want to win a, a game, we spoke about this, so the, the, I don't know, the Steelers, right? If you go and watch the Steelers, how could you know, or what, what would you know about that game if you didn't know the score? How could you affect that game if you were a player or a manager? How could you have any input on it? How could you possibly look to improve the team's performance if the players didn't even know what the hell the score was? Pitched against what the score should be at this point of the of the game. So from a staff point of view, what we're trying to do, or I'm trying to do with my team all the time, is get them not just comfortable with this type of thing, but actually help them see that it's the... Um, It's the gateway to more confidence. It's the gateway to growth. It's the gateway to learning. It's the gateway to feeling better about yourself rather than living within yourself and hoping that you'll never ever be held accountable and you'll never be called out and you'll never have to kind of go, I was wrong or I could have done that better. I've tried to get it and surround myself with people that just love that. They just relish it. It's like, tell me what I did. Tell me what I can improve. How could I have done that better? And it's uh, not just amazing from a boss point of view, but. From an employee point of view, when you get a collection of people like that, you get 5, 10, 8, 12, 15, 20 people in that, in that office. It's a great place to come and work. And it's very, very difficult to go anywhere else because you all of a sudden realize that people are bitching and whining and whinging and moaning and blaming everybody else. And you're just like, oh, God, do I, do I have to listen to this crap for you know for the rest of my life? So when you're doing these types of sessions, and hopefully that's what I'm going to leave you with, is uh, an understanding of how I do it be the real importance of it, which is actually to develop yourselves. It's not to grow this business, it's develop yourself. Um, and the relevance for, for Anthony and Marissa is to develop their people. So it's a win-win there when you look at it. Rather than, oh, well, this is about business and money and you know selling and all sorts of stuff, it isn't. That's a byproduct of people investing in themselves and being comfortable with themselves and you guys you know, getting into that mentality of, well, why, why would he have come? You know, what, what on earth would he have come for in the first place? Why would he book 15 sessions? Let's, let's debate what we did, what, you know, what could we have done better as such? So everything you're looking at and every problem that you've got today, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your clinic, uh, whether it's in a relationship, ultimately it's a lack of conversation uh, or lack of communication being uh, received in the way that the other person needed to receive it in order for uh, somebody to do something. So we'll try and dig into a few of your conversations, a few of your, um, few of your role players, if you like, some of the things that have gone on in your, uh, in your week. But I'll start there with a higher view of what we're trying to do. If numbers are the effect in a business that are ultimately the lifeblood of a business, that's fine. What we can't do is come in here and go, well, this is not good enough. I want to improve. What we have to do is come in and go, okay, these are the two or three things that I think we need to improve let's analyze what we did, what we didn't do in these scenarios, how did we communicate, how could that have been communicated differently, what did the patient really say, was there any signs, was there any clues, did they say certain things. I would be pretty sure if you looked at this, um, if you looked at your arrival rate or let's say you had a discovery visit conversion problem, every one of you would have knew at the time that it wasn't going to go right. Every one of you, when you've, whoever answers the phone, so the people who didn't show up, but you, when you've put the phone down nine out of 10 times, you're like, could go either way that one. You, you just know. And it's the same with the discovery visit. You like, you just know that they're like not looking at you. They're not interested. It's kind of like tentative questions coming back. And my point, as I've tried to get to my staff, is when you feel that, when you see that, when you get it, that's where the certainty and the confidence needs to kick in with conversations that might go, look, I know I've just booked you in. And I know I've just took all your insurance details, and I know I've just took your address, and I know you said you want to come at nine thirty on Monday, but I just get the impression you might not be all in. Do you want to tell me what's going on?
1: It's funny because when I get off the phone, I literally look at him and I'll be like, like, and I'll say all those things that I should have just said to the person, <laughs> I'm like that, just because you just you do get to like you get a feel for who's you know gonna do. What? Like, we all do from and all yeah. things. we're yeah. all good at it
0: honesty Unbelievable. Yeah. that that's what this is about This is what I'm trying to get mm-hmm. get to you. It's almost the permission to go. It's okay to say that. Right. every every one of you and I included, right we're very good. we're very very good at, at having that feeling, right and again, I'll go back to relationships. It's like, well I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, it was inevitable that she was going to leave me. Or it was inevitably he was going to do this. Oh, I just sensed that this was going to, I could just sense that, and I'm like, yeah, you like, all right, did you actually say anything about it? No. Well, why not? And it really, more often than not, goes down to, I just don't, I just don't have the courage, the confidence to actually have that conversation ahead of time. Partly, partly in case I actually find out the truth that I'm worried about, that this patient might not come in. But the point is, if you raise it, you're more likely to be able to stop it. And you'll, you'll factor in or you'll get to the point of having the conversation that they want you to have, which is the certainty. So if I turn around, right, in this scenario with two or three of these people who haven't arrived and I said, um, all right, cool. Yeah, I've took all of your information. I've got everything that you needed. However, can I just ask you a question, Mr. Smith? Are you 100% certain about coming for PT? Stop. And there'll be a two or three second silence at which point the patient will come back and go, well, well, you know, I, I, well, okay. You want to tell us what's going on? What, what's your worries? What's your concerns? What, what haven't we addressed so far? And then they will come out with something like, well, it's just the last time I went to a PT. Or it's just that my friend's trying to get me to go to see a chiropractor. Or my doctor said I didn't need PT. Oh, right. You mean if you'd have told me all of this stuff first, how wonderful it would be, right? Just imagine what sort of life that we live in. We, we could potentially live in if a patient rang up and said, before I book this appointment, I have these two or three concerns, and I'd like to address them all first before we go any further. Concern number one. <laughs> In fact, I have a list. Concern number one I have a choice over a chiropractor or you. Concern number two my doctor said just take the pills. Concern number three. And so this list goes on and on and on. But they don't. And they never will. And my point is, that's what you've got to do. You've got to first of all recognise it and know that the best thing that you can do is actually act upon what you recognise. That when there is that awkward silence, when there is that experience, you you look a little bit young, or is there a more experienced PT, or it's a money issue, or or I haven't got the time issue, or there's just a general air of, lack of wanting to um, take part in, in the thing that you want them to do. Why are, you pl- like, why are, we, playing, why are we playing the game? So scenario yesterday was that uh, a lady had come in and would re- she'd refused a Spanish interpreter. So it was a uh, workers' comp type claim and she'd refused an interpreter citing that she could speak good English. Now it turns out she couldn't speak good English but refused to have the interpreter. And the PT got six or seven sessions in, and inevitably the patient dropped off because the progress wasn't good and the communication was bad. And he said to me, well, how do you deal with that? How would you have dealt with that? I said, well, you could learn Spanish or you, know, you could get Siri out and maybe ask a few questions, you know, back and forth. But they're the tactical answers. And what you want, the real answer is that the minute that that lady refused, P- refused the Spanish PT, the, the Spanish interpreter, the, the British interpreter, whatever, right? I'm not taking you on. I am not taking you on, and here's why. I'm not taking you on for the good of you. That if you and I can't communicate, how on earth do you expect me to be able to do the best for you? How on earth do you expect this relationship to go any further if you and I cannot communicate? Now, I respect and admire the fact that you want to try and communicate with me in English. However, I believe it's a detriment to your health. So we can do one or two things here. One we bring in the interpreter. Or two, I have a list in my hand of three PTs around the corner who will accept an inferior conversation and as a result of that will probably provide you with an inferior service. What do you want to do? Because I ain't taking part in this shit show, basically. That's the answer. And one of two things will happen. You'll either instantly get that lady's respect and she plays ball and she's all in. And from that moment on, there's no more bullshit, there's no more hair dictating anything, there's no more I'll let you know and whatever else. It's all respect and all in, or she's out. And you don't care which one. Because if she goes somewhere else, and you've done this, check this out. If you look that lady in the eye and you said, I don't believe I can give you the best care that you need to solve the problem that you've got in this current situation. I need the interpreter here for this to happen. If she doesn't value the fact that you respect her enough to want to do this right, she's not your patient. She's not somebody that you should have in this building. The reason why I'd be in favor of that, if that's my business, is because I may have lost that lady but I know I'll have given my physio so much confidence and so much certainty that when the next situation comes around, that could be an awkward scenario or a patient who's trying to be demanding or just uncomfortable or just lacks certainty or lacks the trust in it, my physios will tackle that head on and nine out of ten times they will win. Because ultimately in life that's what people are craving. The people who i given you, the, the run around, the, the no-shows, the objections, the or oh, I only want this and I only want that, they're just screaming, screaming at you for something else. Like, they want, they want and need to feel a certain way that they haven't got from you yet. And they're trying to get that uh, by staying in control themselves. And what they want, and really want, is almost to give that up and to get it from you. But if they don't feel it from you, they're gonna keep it themselves. And they're gonna try harder and harder and harder to keep control. So when you do see a guy, or when you do see a lady who is awkward and just doesn't want to do what you're doing, you've got to take it as a sign that they haven't felt from you yet certainty. The only certainty that they've got is in themselves at this point, because they're in control of the situation. And the more in control they'll stay, or the more in control that they start try to stay, what you'll find is they'll become more unreasonable, they'll become more demanding, they'll become more obnoxious, they'll become more erratic. They're doing it, right, and you're all left scratching your head going, how the hell can a patient do this? How the hell can a patient just, uh, why do they do it, right? You're all sat there going, oh, it's another fucking patient, and you come up with ridiculous reasons to validate why, oh, she's from a certain part of town, or she just doesn't want to pay, or she's got a problem at home, or whatever. Like You come up with all sorts of crap, and really what's going on is she's in control because she's not feeling control from you. She's not feeling certainty from you that she wants to give you. So the more that she gets erratic, and the more that she gets irrational, the more that she's trying to hang on to control, and the more that she's trying to hang on to the certainty that she has by being in control, because she hasn't got it from you yet. And again, that's like a, well, let's start. Where do we start from? What did we make her feel? What did not we do? What could we have done? Let's look at all of the things she said on the phone. Let's look at all of the clues that she gives us from the minute that she called us, where she, told us that she wanted this and she'll only have this and I'm only coming on a Tuesday or I'll only come if and instead of somebody going okay Mr. Smith well we can do that or we can do it the way that we know works and the way that we know works is if we do this this and this now it's completely up to you we're willing to lose your business but we will not give up control of how we run this business because the minute that we give that up it's game over we're all running around like headless chickens trying to please everybody ultimately you're not going to be pleased you've got to start to recognize the signs. You've got to start to recognize the symptoms of when people who are going to come through the door. And by the way, some of them, are, they won't actually even be a problematic patient. Uh, a few of them can be very nice, almost like silent assassins. They're nice to your face. And it's like, they, they just don't kick, kick up a fuss and then boom, they'll just blow. It's like for no other reason. You know, then they just didn't feel enough from you. Um, they wanted more certainty. They wanted somebody more to tell them what to do rather than the passive, or, well, whatever you want to do, and however you want to do this, and do you want to do some exercises, and do you want to get on the bike today? Check your language. It's, it's brutal how it'll, how it'll bring you down. And really what we're craving is for someone to say, this is how it'll work. This is how it's going to go. If there's any changes, I'll let you know. Currently my best guess is that this is what's going to play out. And if I at any point think that any of this is going to change, I will let you know you will be the first to know, Mr. Smith, if this is not going to go according to plan. How does that sound? It sounds like the type of guy that I want to work with. It sounds like the type of lady that I'm happy to spend $1,000 with because it feels like I'm going to get my money. I'm going to get value for money here. And that's contrary to what a lot of us do. Language is, is, is the most important thing you'll ever, you'll ever uh, have to be in control of in your life. It's so powerful. So, so, so powerful that instead of trying to please, instead of trying to be liked, I've moved towards a model of just be respected. I'm not here to be liked in this room today. I'm not here to be liked whatsoever. It's completely up to you whether you like me, whether you like this information or not. But in doing so, I'm coming here more to be respected for the fact that I have a view and I have a way of living and I have a philosophy, if you like, and I have a way of doing business, that I don't really need you to like it, if that makes sense, for me to feel good about it. And I think that's something that I would encourage you to start to think about. You do not need to be liked by these patients at all. You want to be liked, and that kicks off all sorts of other reasons for that needing to be liked. Uh, Like I said in the book, fear of being judged, fear of being rejected. Massive issues that people have got needing to be approved of by most of us. Um, But for most of us is a huge problem that we bring into the workplace, that we'll end up saying and doing things for the wrong reasons, not because it's in the best interest of the patients, and I'll, I'll not, I'll not back down on that. It, and it's not just a medical thing; it's a if you're a lawyer thing, it's the same. If you're an accountant thing, it's the same. We often say things in a need, uh, an incessant internal need to be approved of, and it isn't always what the person that we're doing business with really, really wants to hear. And the minute you can get across to that way of speaking and that way of communicating, it's liberating literally, you, you, I'm not going to say bulletproof, but you start to walk around and you're just like, I couldn't give a fuck. what you. And, I, and it's not arrogant, it's not disrespectful. It appears to be and it comes across that way occasionally, but it isn't, it's far from it. I respect you so much that I don't give a shit whether you like me or not. I'm not, I'm not here to be like, I'm, I'm here to try and help you make a change. If you don't want it, I'll come back next year. <laughs> like, whenever you're ready for it. It's like, it's as simple as that. It, it's that type of, it's that type of mindset. But I don't need to walk out of a seminar or a conference or any calls or anything that I do with like, oh, that was a great call. It's like, i giving you everything I know in the way that, that, that I know it to be true. Take it or leave it. Completely up to you. Same with patients. I'm going to give you everything I know. It's totally up to you. Take it or leave it. I, I hope you like me on the other end, but only because you respect me, which is a big, big, big shift in your life. It's a big shift as a person. It's a big shift as a parent. It's a big shift as a friend. It's a big shift as a... Uh, as a practitioner, as a front desk girl, practice manager, whatever, like these are massive shifts that you you know you're trying to make, and, and I'll always take it back to this: do that, and, and it affects these things. So it isn't as granular as say this, say that. That's kind of what I'm trying to try to say. And, and this hopefully, if you've got some questions for me, we'll dig into it in a minute. I'll bring you back to a lot of the things that I've just spoken about there, as to uh, how we could have elevated the conversation, how you could have stepped up a little, how could we have give that person more certainty, more confidence so that they, even the time issue, oh, I haven't got the time. Really? And they're just basically saying, I prioritise something else because I know I'll get a hit if I go over there. I'll feel, I'm guaranteed to feel better if I go to the hairdressers. My back pain still hurts, but somebody said I look good. That's like, that's, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with somebody who will cancel an appointment on you to go to a hairdresser's. And then, and people are scratching their heads. It's like, well, you know, why did why did they prioritize personal training over over physiotherapy? Well, because they're going to look good at the end of personal training. Simple as that. When was the last time somebody left physiotherapy and said, "You look great"? <laughs> I've just spent two hundred and fifty dollars, and nobody even said a single thing. Nobody said I look good. Nobody said you look nice. Nothing. I can go to the hairdressers and spend a hundred, and it's like, wow, new new haircut. You look great, Natalie. She's always going to prioritise going to see a hairdresser over coming to see a physio. No matter how much we scratch our heads, the fucking sad thing is they sit there with back pain while they're getting their fucking hair done. It's like, it's it's, it's fucking crazy, is it not? It's absolutely barbaric. But I promise you, five or six years ago, right, I'd have been like, what do you mean you fucking cancelled an appointment to go to a hairdresser's? You can't even, you've told me in a subjective assessment, you can't even sit for 15 minutes without shuffling. You're gonna be in a fucking, you're getting a dye, perm, whatever you fucking get. It's gonna sit there for an hour. Somebody will say you look good at the other end, while you're limping. That's the person you're dealing with. That's the type of irrationality that you have to understand. That's what you'd have to even be able to come. I appreciate why you might want to go to the hairdressers because you're going to look amazing. But you know what, Mrs Smith, you look amazing anyway. Is it not more important that we get this back fixed so that the next time you go to the hairdressers, you can actually sit there and you're not in a fucking massive amount of pain. You can actually enjoy the bloody experience of gossiping with your hairdresser or whatever it is that you like to do while you're there. right? But at this point, I'm having a conversation with her about the thing that I need to have a conversation with. Not pandering to the, okay, well, give us a call when you're finished or, yeah, no problem. You just call us whenever. You're just getting trampled all over. Yes or no? Heart surgeon. I'm sorry, I can't come for my appointment next week. I'm get my hair cut.
1: <laughs>
0: I know you've got me booked in at ten thirty on Tuesday, yeah. but the only time I can see my hairdresser is eleven o'clock that same day. <laughs> can we can we reschedule? And the heart surgeon. Yeah, of course, no problem. Yeah, as long as you haven't had a heart attack while you're getting your hair cut, like, let's book you in for tomorrow. Or, or, or as is usually the case in a PT clinic, um, do you want me to book it in now? Or do you just want to give us a call when you're free? Yeah, I'll just give you a call when I'm free. Okay, click. Six weeks later, she's still not free. She's still not busy. She's She's still too busy to come back. Money's being spent elsewhere. Conclusion, oh, that lady was busy. That lady was busy and she probably had no money. And the reality is it's, again, how we have allowed that to happen, that you could track all the way back. You could track all the way back to that first phone call and the evaluation. If you'd said to me, look, Paul, how, how seriously do you, you, you know, you've got this back problem, how committed are you to fixing it? What do you mean? Well, look, for this to work, is it not true that I need your commitment, Anthony? If you want me to fix this, uh, Ankle sprain, I need your commitment for this to work. I need you to understand that this is a partnership that we're getting into together. I need your commitment. If you want the best possible results, I can only get that if you play ball. So here's what I need you to do. Assuming that you want the best possible results for yourself, Anthony, yes, here's what I need you to do. I need your commitment for twice a week. I need to see you on a Tuesday and a Thursday. It's gonna take us exactly 60 minutes every Tuesday and every Thursday, and we're gonna work together for eight sessions. If I think at any point you need less or more, I will let you know. I've seen this 99 times before and on 98 occasions, it's taken me eight sessions to fix this thing, to get to the point that you wanna be at. Would you like to go outside and book those sessions now, please? In my case, Vicky, Anthony's agreed with me that he needs eight sessions. He knows full well what is expected of him and what's expected of me to fix this problem. We're gonna work together for the next four weeks as a partnership, to fix this problem. Please move heaven and earth to get Anthony the sessions that he needs. It is imperative he does not miss a session. If he does, it will set his treatment back weeks, which is gonna cost him a lot more money than he wants to spend. See the difference? How do I feel as a patient? (coughs) Right now, you're all thinking, holy fuck, I couldn't say that to a patient. (laughs) There's no way you're going, there's no way people, well, first of all, you go, what, what is this guy smoking? There is no way people in Hermitage will accept being spoken to like that. There is no way on earth that people in Pennsylvania will ever be spoken to like that. Like they just don't do it. This guy has never been to Pennsylvania before. It's blatantly obvious because we could not speak to people like this ever from around here. Anything that's uncomfortable is usually comfortable for them. Right, this is, this is where I'm going to start to get deep. You've got to, you've got to flip these things, right? If you're, soft, if you're giving me a softener and you say, oh, well, I think so, it might be. I will, like, it, could, it could be all right when I slit your chest open and look at your heart, but I don't really know. It's like, oh, fuck, I just had a heart attack thinking about it. You're not making me feel good, but you feel good. Right, check this. So follow this Follow this logic. I'm going to try and reverse it for you. When you when you put a softener on me and you say, oh, well, let's have a few sessions and see how it goes. Yeah, just book in whenever you want. You feel very, very good at that point because you've got gratification of being nice. But me as a patient, I'm thinking, oh, hang on. It kind of feels all right, but I don't know if you felt as certain as I wanted you to to feel, which leads to the conversations where you'll have all been to places where you've gone, well, he uh, kind of sounded like you knew what he's doing, but, oh, I don't know. I hope so. That's how they feel when you, you have the softness. So you feel good, but they feel uncertain. What I just did, you felt uncomfortable, they, they feel fucking good. They feel as though they're in the presence of somebody who really knows what they're doing. Because they don't know about you, right? But if you're, the, if you're the best at what you do, I'm not fucking about I'm not getting my time wasted. There's not a fucking chance that I would have come here today to a clinic if I had any, any inkling whatsoever That it wouldn't work, that the organization would be a mess, people wouldn't show up, they wouldn't have questions and whatever. My thing to get this all sorted out was, this is what I need, here's how it's going to play out, this is what I want you to do, but I'm telling you what I want you to do for the sake of you, so that this goes according to plan. Same in the physio business. I'm not fucking about. I have not got time to be messed about. Real experts do not have time to be screwed about. People who want to get in to see you want you to behave that way. They want to feel like they're going to see somebody who's an expert. Well, how I just spoke to you there, Anthony, that's how experts behave. That's how my front desk team need to behave. I need you to get your calendar out right now. And move that fucking hairdressing appointment. Move any other shit you've got there that is irrelevant in comparison to what Anthony is about to do for you. Do you realize how good this guy is? Do you realize how much in demand he is? People are traveling from an hour to get to see this guy. You want to get this book right now before the phone rings and somebody else books it. That type of mentality. Now, again, you're you, you screaming. It's like, oh, well, we couldn't, and it sounds uncomfortable, and it's whatever. The patient's like, oh, my word. Oh, my God, let's do it now. Come on, book 10 just in case. <laughs> but you know what? I get back in my car, and I'm like... I'm going to spend five hundred dollars with Anthony, but I tell you what, I feel good about it. And that's that's the concept of the book: that people want to spend money with you. This is the bit you don't get; they're desperate to spend money with you, but they're not they're not going to spend money with people where they're like, "Oh, oh, this might work, and this could be all right, and all oh, let's see how it goes." And oh, yeah, you know, I'm around them. Oh, you know, I'm very, very sorry to hear that. Well, we'll we'll get you out of here as fast as possible. I don't want you to get me out of here as fast as but I want you to fix me fucking foot. And however you tell me it takes, how you say it is more important than what you say. And that, that's going to go on. Every one of you is going to have an option every day for that to happen, that you get a chance with a patient to either be their friend or to be a trusted, respected medical professional and says, if you have just told me what you want, this is what you need. I can stop being your friend. I, I can go in and out of, you've, you've been around me for a while, I can go in and out of Paul, the dad, and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the laughs and the giggles. I can have a laugh and a giggle with the best of people. I could, I could joke with you, I could mess with you, I could do whatever, but I'll go from not a 60 in one second when I need to do it. For the sake of the people either in my office or the people that we serve. That's what I have to do. I had to do it as a physio, I have to do it as a boss, I have to do it in this business. I have to do it wherever I go. Because ultimately, people need me to, to do it. You imagine me getting up on stage or even coming in it. Well, well, we'll have a chat and see how it goes. Huh? This is what we're going to do. You might not like it. The medicine might not be nice. But it never is. That's what you need to hear. So I think that's where you've got to start to... to um, or uh, Hopefully by the end of the day, that's where I'm, I'm going to get you comfortable with. That what you're currently—this is the, the mind hack, mind whatever way you want to look at it—what you're currently comfortable with makes them feel uncomfortable. What you're going to start being uncomfortable with actually makes them feel comfortable. Silence is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. (laughs) Say no more, right? How uncomfortable do you feel in silence? I feel great inside, it's wonderful. The problem for most people is that feels very uncomfortable. Again, if you were watching and analysing your conversations with patients, many times when you ask them good questions, they don't know what to say. They're just figuring it out. And what we'll do to make ourselves feel better is fill that gap with shit, with complete trash, with complete and utter crap. You hang around any conversation, I, I'm going to test. I, I'm going to give you all a little game tonight, or any friend, anything, next person you see, just start playing this game, right? Just stop. Just stop talking, right? Say what you've got to say and just stop talking. And when they start talking, just don't respond, just go. And watch what they do. They'll just keep coming back. They'll just fill the space with shit. It is why people talk so much crap. People literally talk so much shit because they're not comfortable with silence. Silence is the gateway to the best answers you're probably ever going to get. And yet with patients, when we ask them questions, because we feel uncomfortable, and here's another example of it, because we feel uncomfortable with the certain types of questions, hey, Anthony, uh, just before we go any further, what what value would this bring to your life when I perform the miracle I'm about to? (laughs) The second that they haven't responded, within a second, I start to, oh shit, did did they not like that question? Did they they not get that, what what I was asking? And the reality is they're just thinking. Questions are ultimately your gateway, and here's why. Most people don't know how to ask questions, right? And again, don't take any of this the wrong way. Most people don't know how to ask questions. They've never had to. School was about learning, ramming things down your throat. At any point when you got asked, do you want to ask a question? You're like, oh shit, I hope she doesn't come to me. Like, do not come to me and ask me a question. End of the class. I know it's like in America, but I know it's exactly the same. I know it's like in my class. Any, anybody got any questions? Right as the bell's going, nope, out the door. Fast as possible. None of us were ever trained, genuinely never trained to ask questions. We, we never were, right? What are, what are all problems? Questions unanswered. Every single problem you've got in your life is a question unanswered. Therefore, the gateway to less problems in life or, easier resolu- or quicker resolution of problems is to get better at asking questions, but we're generally not very good at it. So we speak a lot more. We're a lot more comfortable, as I said in the book, we're a lot more comfortable with our own voice, but guess what? So are they. are a lot more comfortable. If you're trying to speak to me, so if I walked in here, we're both on edge. It's tempting for me to wanna to talk all the time, but that just puts me at ease. With a patient, or in these types of environments, if you'll ever notice my seminars, I'll often start, hey, always got questions. I, I get the audience very quickly to start interacting so that they become comfortable with me. I'm comfortable with myself. I'm not really bothered. It's the other way around that I need to get somebody comfortable with me and it's the same with with patients. So when we start to ask them then types of questions, you've got to get comfortable with the silence that follows. You've got to get comfortable with asking them one or two questions that nobody else has in order for them to feel a certain way about you. And that's again where much of, of um, I think our problems come from is that we're we're talking to patients, but we're not necessarily giving them a chance to really, really tell us what they want, really, really tell us the deep-rooted problems, objections, challenges that they've got, because we quite simply don't give them the chance to do it. The, the, The second that you see a problem in the patient or even a flinch in their eye or anything that might not be quite right, just stay silent and let them speak, let them come back, let them give you the answers. And it invariably opens up a great discussion about what the problems actually are that they've got, so that they don't end up, they don't end up on here. So that's my little kick-off. What can I do to help you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What challenges and questions have we got? Anything specific that you want? To- yeah.
1: Thank you for listening to the Paul Goff audio experience. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out how to convert more cash pay patients at much higher prices, come and join Paul at his two-day annual sales and conversions boot camp happening this December 7-8 in the magical Orlando. You'll learn how to double your treatment room and front desk conversions in just 48 hours. Head on over to paulgoff.com forward slash sales to secure your seat now.